All right, one other fun thing here real quick before we dive into the scriptures. I wanted to do a, a quick round of Sound City Bible Church trivia because uh, sitting back and thinking on these last five years, one of the things I did, I actually went and I opened up the last four sermons, the first year, uh, uh, first Sunday of the year sermons that I preached, just kind of reflecting on the different things that God has walked us through and brought us through. And I just want to give him thanks and give him praise. But for some of you who haven't been around all that long, there's a lot of uh, newer folks who've joined up over the last few years, people who've met Jesus here, people who've moved to the area and joined the church. So just a really quick little round of Sound City Bible trivia. Okay, so first question is, and Pastor Shane, you're disqualified. You can't answer these ones. What was the first book of the Bible that we, uh, when we launched, the first Sunday, what was the first book of the Bible we started with? Who said Mark? Good job. You, well, Pastor Doug, you can't yet. I'm giving the points to Sheridan. It was. It was the Gospel of Mark. Yes. All right. <laughs> I need all the elders to be quiet for once. <laughs> uh, including the book of Mark, which we didn't do uh, every single verse in the Gospel of Mark, but we did the whole book, selections from how many books of the Bible have we preached through in the last five years? And, and I'll say this, Psalms and Proverbs don't count because those are just little snippets, little selections from. How many? How many? Just one. Just, one. The, just the Bible. Yeah. The correct answer is eight. And we're cheating a little bit because Shane and I each did, you do second John and I did third John one Sunday each. So it would be six, but second and third John skew the numbers a little bit. But looking at that, Old, Old Testament, New Testament, looking uh, to start the book of Colossians starting next week. And we'll talk about more of that in a little bit. Uh, who was the very first guest preacher we ever had at Sound City Bible Church? Those first few months, uh, I think Shane was looking, you did two, Travis did one. I covered most of it until about July when some guy named... Brian Gray showed up and preached the first guest sermon. That's my dad. Uh, he wanted to stay with us uh, over the summer. I said, well, yes, dad, you can stay with us, but you have to preach at the church. So, all right, last, last trivia question. All you parents, what was the average children's ministry attendance this last year in 2019? Average, huh? A little high, down, down from there. 130, still a little high. You're close. One dollar. Yeah. <laughs> 124 point four, uh, and that number comes direct from Jen Ashby, who helps oversee our kids ministry. I don't know who of you is bringing point four of a child, but just bring your whole child. It's fine. Actually, she told me right before the, the worship gathering started that that's the, the whole year that the winter quarter is actually up to 127, which the winter quarter for us is t- traditionally a little bit lower. We start to see kind of a spike in attendance heading toward Easter. So this is your friendly reminder to get involved in children's ministry, which is a super um, important part of the mission that God has given to us as a church family, these, these young ones coming to know and love Jesus from a young age and by his grace come to a saving relationship with him at a young age and avoid many of the pains and the pitfalls that can come our way by living lives apart from Jesus. I mean, that's, that's what I pray for my children. I, I pray um, that many of our children, all of our children would have uh, a very boring testimony, as it were, that they would come to know Jesus and walk with him uh, faithfully from a very young age. So with that said, here's what I want to do today. I want to take us back into the book of Daniel 
for just a moment, and there's a particular verse I want to look at, a verse that really jumped out at me while we were going through the book of Daniel. I didn't quite have time to expound on, and as I was praying and asking the Lord kind of what to share today, this was the verse that really stood out to me. And so I'd like to take a look at Daniel, uh, just one verse, Daniel 11, verse 33, and I'd like to pray and spend a little bit of time looking at this, this verse together. So you pray with me. Father God, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. God, thank you that celebrating five years together as a church family um, is, is just a tiny little taste of the bigger and grander grace of you adopting us into your family, your eternal family. Sons and daughters of the Most High God, saved by the grace of God uh, at the cross of Jesus Christ. And so we thank you, Lord God, that we can stand here today and we can celebrate being a, a local church body, but we also want to make sure that that's not the end of our praises because, God, we want to give you praise for adopting us into your eternal family and that we're going to spend forever with you, enjoying your closeness, enjoying your grace. And God, I pray for today as we, as we look at your word and as we celebrate some specific things that you've done uh, in us and through us and where you're uh, leading us and heading us here in this next year, Father God, I ask and I pray that you would be the focus of our attention. You would be the one that receives our honor and our glory and our praise. We pray all this in Jesus' good name. Amen. Okay, so as I said, back in Daniel chapter 11, which was, in case you'd forgotten, the Antichrist uh, chapter, we spent some time really unpacking the idea of the Antichrist. There's a verse. There's uh, a verse in Daniel chapter 11 that says this. It says, He shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant. We're talking here about probably in context, this guy Antiochus Epiphanes, but we saw that it kind of more broadly is talking about um, the idea of antichrist or those who, who uh, use power and authority in a way that is uh, against the will of God. And so this whole idea of, of conflict with the people of God and, and seduction with flattery, those who violate the covenant. And then here's the verse that just jumped out at me. But the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. And when I was prepping the teaching, I, I noticed that verse, but it was literally in the 9 a.m. worship gathering, and I'm preaching, I'm reading through, and I, and I got to that verse, and I had kind of a, a flashback, and it, it triggered uh, this flashback, this memory of being, I mean, maybe eight, nine, ten years old, and listening to a sermon being preached uh, by the, I think it was the founding pastor of the church where my dad ended up being a pastor at, and he preached on this verse. And it, it triggered in my mind because I put the New King James translation up there. It says, people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. And that was just lodged in my mind from a very early age. And, and, and I, I remember um, loving that sermon as a kid. I, I don't know if I could ever find it. And if I could find it, it was on a cassette tape. I don't know how I would even play it or listen to it. But I wanted to spend a minute talking about these three qualities that we see here in this verse. And one of the things I really love about this verse, I love the duality, I love the tension of standing firm and taking action. Holding steady, but going somewhere. And I'm going to talk about that, and just by way of introduction, some of you are more naturally wired towards the stand firm side of things. And others of you are more naturally wired towards the, let's go somewhere, let's do something, let's take action. And we'll talk to both of you and, and for both of you in some encouraging ways and some challenging ways. But the place where it all starts is knowing your God. The people who know their God. We could talk about doing things, taking action, 
We could talk about standing firm, but if we don't first know our God, neither of those things matter. Amen? Friends, if you're here today, you know, there's a lot of reasons why someone might go to a church. Some of you might go to a church because um, you're looking for some meaning or some purpose for your life. Some of you might be here at church because you have people and, and community and relationships that you've met through the church, or you're looking for people or relationships or community, or some of you are here at church because of tradition, and, and some of you are here at church because you want to know the Bible and you want to know theology. None of those things are bad things in and of themselves, but if those things don't serve to help you know God, then it's all for naught. Friends, the heartbeat of the gospel is that because of our sinfulness, we've been alienated from God. Again, we read that in that verse that Pete read during the, the time of singing and worship, that, that we were at one point strangers to God. We've all been like sheep, the Bible says. We've wandered away from God, but God desires to be in relationship with his people. And so he sent his son Jesus to live a perfect life, to die, to rise again, to offer us forgiveness and redemption and pardon and all of the wrongs that we have done to be forgiven and all the wrongs that have been done against us to be washed clean so that we could enjoy what? Relationship with God. You were created for relationship with God. Nothing more, nothing less. Anything else of any value in your life will be connected to that fundamental identity. And if you are here today and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, welcome. We're so glad you're here. I want you to hear with all the love and all of the excitement that I can can share with you that God loves you. And he wants you to know his love, not in a mere intellectual way, but in a personal way. That you could come into a saving relationship with him, that you could read the Bible and it wouldn't just be like words on a page, but it would be like communication from God himself. And you could sit down to pray and you wouldn't have to fear or wonder if your prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling, but you could know that God is with you and he loves you and he's there for you because of what Jesus did in dying and rising again. Friends, do you know your God? Christians, you're here. You're at church. Good job. You're at church on the first Sunday of the year. Good job. Maybe some of you are, you know, starting out a new Bible reading plan this year. I'm going to really get through the whole Bible in 2020. Let me just say this to you. You could read your Bible every single day and still not know God. Don't make your Bible reading plan into a list of, you know, boxes that you've checked off and miss out on the most important thing, which is, again, relationship with God. In his famous book, it's called Knowing God, J.I. Packer says this. He says, once you become aware that the main business that you are here for is to know God, most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. I think that's a good word. I think that's an important word. We, we launched out, um, I, I did something I don't like to do. I went back and I listened to an old sermon of mine. I actually listened to the very first sermon um, from the Gospel of Mark. And in that, I, I was talking about, hey, you know, brand new church, first Sunday, we got to do things like write bylaws and mission statements. And I said, but the most important thing is that we must remain focused on Jesus. And I said that, and I listened, and I was like, thank you, God, because that's his grace in keeping us focused on Jesus for five years as a church. This last year, we as the elder team said we want to really uh, double down on that. And so we, we said that, that 2019 was going to be a year focused on prayer. 
And to that end, we, we started hosting prayer nights and, and we uh, um, asked some deacons to, to launch and lead the prayer team. Jim and, and Shelly Lagucic and Brittany Hackett and been leading the prayer team and having prayer team members available here after the services and prayer team members sharing prayer needs with the elders and the elder team spending more time in prayer and our elder meetings. And it's just, why? So that we could know our God. I don't want to play church. I don't know about you. I don't want to play church. I want you to know God. I want to know God. I want to love him more this year than I did last year. I want to love him more over the next 15 minutes than I did the 15 minutes before. And I want that for you. And again, if you're not a believer in Jesus, today is a day where you could come to know his love for you because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. The people who know their God. I want to just encourage you this new year. It's a great time to examine your your habits your time, your priorities, so that you could say, yeah, I'm really intentionally investing in knowing God. Then, from that firm foundation, the people who know their God shall what? They shall stand firm. So let's talk about standing firm for a moment. The people who know their God shall stand firm. And and I, I want us to specifically note that we're talking about standing firm on Jesus. There's a lot of things you could stand firm about. You could stand firm as an American. You could stand firm in your political ideology. You could stand firm that, you know, the Seahawks are going to somehow make it out of the first round of the playoff. Whatever you're going to stand firm on, right? I'm talking about standing firm on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those who know their God will stand firm on him. This is why Jesus said things like in Matthew 7, that everyone who hears his words and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. I'm from Anchorage, Alaska originally and some of you might know at the end of 2018, there was a pretty massive earthquake. I think it was like a 7.1 or something like that earthquake. It knocked down roads and it knocked down houses. I have a friend of mine who, he's a pastor now, but he spent about 15 years as a contractor building houses. And I just texted him. I was like, hey man, like how many houses that you built fell over in that earthquake? And he said, only one. I was like, that's pretty good. Uh, and he said it was a different contractor's fault anyways. But he, I said, well, you're pastoring now. You got to learn how to take more responsibility, bro. It's okay. But the idea being like, if you've ever been in a, in a serious earthquake, if you've ever been in a storm like that, when, when it just feels like your world is shaking all around you, it's a really scary place to be. Jesus says, if you build your life around anything other than him, his work, his teaching, the, the proclamation of the gospel of the kingdom, you're going to be on very unstable footing. Because friends, I don't know if you know this, rains are going to fall and floods are going to come. Anybody here have any proverbial storms in 2019? Anybody? Yeah. I see that hand, Pastor Shane, yes. Uh, and I see everybody on, on Facebook. Uh, 2020, you know, 2019 was terrible. I'm done with that year. 2020 is going to be the year. I'm like, what makes you think that this year is going to be any easier? Sorry, I don't mean to be pessimistic here. Sorry. Debbie Downer, I'm sorry. But what makes you think that there's not going to be any storms? What makes you think there's not going to be any floods this year? Friends, we must stand firm on the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
lot of things out there that you could build your life around, and I'm challenging you from the word of God to build your life on Jesus Christ. And I will say, standing firm can be hard to do. Things that are hard to do, standing firm. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus says, talking about the last days, that many will fall away. People are going to betray one another. They're going to hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And I think there are at least three contributing factors, three values that lead to us being tempted to fall away. I, I, I'm so um, heartbroken over it, but I know people who no longer profess to be followers of Jesus. And first it starts with love growing cold, and then it's not really ever participating in the community of faith, not really practicing you know, spiritual habits, prayer, scripture, all those things. And, and, and tragically, in some cases, people say, I, I just, I no longer am a Christian. And I think there are three things in our day and age in particular that contribute to this that, that make it even harder to stay faithful to Jesus. And the first thing is what I'm calling the value of progress. And by the way, all three of these, I think, are actually good things. But when they become untethered from other things, they can become bad things. So here, here's what I mean by this. Progress. We're all, we're all going somewhere, right? We're all, we're all growing. We're all moving. Culture is changing. The world's changing. You'll hear people say things like, you don't want to be on the wrong side of history. And there's this assumption that just progress for progress's sake is always a good thing. Now, friends, do we believe in progress? Yes, absolutely. Do we believe that God is changing us from one degree of glory to another? Yes. Uh, we even put in our values as a church that we value progress, not perfection, meaning we're all a work in progress and God's taking us somewhere and, and, and the world is going somewhere. But it's, I think it's C.S. Lewis. No, I know it's C.S. Lewis who said that sometimes the most progressive thing a person can do is turn around and go back because you're not heading towards where you want to go. So if we, if we say like, well, we have to keep making progress, but we don't remember that for us as Christians, that progress is to know our God, then it's not true progress, is it? Second value is the value of open-mindedness. And I'm saying open-mindedness is a good thing. Open-mindedness looks a lot like humility. Open-mindedness looks a lot like being teachable. Open-mindedness means that you are willing to consider that you might not have everything figured out. Do I get an amen from anybody on that? You might not have everything figured out. You might need to be open to correction. You might need to say, well, I, don't, I never really thought about that. Let me, let me chew on that. Let me think about that. But how many of you know that, again, when taken out to the extreme, open-mindedness could lead you to doubt your faith, to doubt the truthfulness of God's word, to doubt things that are, are clearly taught in the scriptures. There's a verse in um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I won't read the whole thing here, but, but the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy, he has this long list about the, the kinds of um, behaviors you're going to see in the last days, in the end times. And he talks about, you know, people are going to be lovers of uh, self, lovers of money. They're going to be proud, arrogant, abusive. It's this long, it's like six or seven verses of this long list of sinful behaviors. And the very last one is always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. And that always has stood out to me in, in the age of, again, open-mindedness, humility, a good thing. But there is a, t a, a way that open-mindedness becomes this, I'm just always learning. It's like, well, did you, ever, did you ever actually learn anything? Did you ever land somewhere? Did you ever make up your mind on anything? The third value that makes it hard sometimes to stand firm is the value of belonging. 
the value of belonging, the value of I want to be known and I want to be loved and I want to be accepted by the people in my life. Friends, do we believe in belonging? Is that a good thing? (laughs) Is it a good thing to be in relationship with other people? Is it a good thing to be loved and accepted and included? For, you know, high schoolers in here, they talk about peer pressure. You can walk around in this high school, you can see signs about peer pressure. You kids hear about that in school or whatever. Can I tell a secret, to tell you a secret? Peer pressure doesn't stop once you become an adult. It doesn't stop when you become an adult. Your parents and the grown-ups in your life just get better at kind of like hiding it a little bit. We all want to be accepted and none of us want to feel rejected or on the outside. It can happen in a workplace, it can happen, um, you know, a friend group, it can happen at a mom's club or whatever, where everybody is talking in a certain way, and then you feel the pressure, like, oh, I'm the only one, I think I'm the only one that doesn't actually agree with what they're saying there. And you want to belong, you want to be accepted, you want to be included, but when taken out of its proper balance, it can cause us to waver on our faithfulness to Jesus. Friends, Our goal is to know God. And we must stand firm with humility, but we must stand firm on knowing our God. And then the last value. The people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. Friends, standing firm is not the only thing. You can stand firm and actually miss out on what God is doing. I, uh, <laughs> I will confess to you that when I started thinking about this whole, like, when standing firm goes awry, I started thinking through different biblical examples, but the very first example that actually popped into my mind in my office on Thursday morning was the Dr. Seuss story about the north-going Zacks and the south-going Zacks. Anybody, anybody here a Dr. Seuss fan? I love that one as, like, as a child. I probably could still recite most of it today, but the idea is, like, you know, one Zacks is going north and one Zacks is going south, and then they come to a standstill, and neither one of them will ever move to the east or the west. They can't keep going, and then they just stand there, and they're just, they're sure standing firm, and they never do anything. It's, it's hilarious. Trust me. Read it later, okay? I actually think of, um, in the Bible, when, when Jesus himself shows up on the scene, And there's a particular group of religious leaders that were really, really keen to stand firm. They had devoted their lives to studying the scriptures. They had devoted their lives to calling the people of Israel, the Jewish people, to be uh, faithful to the covenant that God made with their forefathers in Sinai. The problem is, is that they had forgotten the part that the whole reason God made the covenant that he did with Israel is so that all of the nations of the world could be blessed and could be brought back into right relationship with God. And there's certain examples of, of where Jesus is talking to them. Like, you know, you're, you're violating God's word for the traditions of man, he says to these religious leaders in Mark chapter 7. Or he says, you know, you, you go through the motions of worship like the prophet Isaiah said, but your hearts are really far away from God. Yeah, you're doing a great job of standing firm, but you're missing out that the promised Messiah is standing right in front of you. Would you like to come and follow me? Friends, we can be so enamored with holding firm that we don't actually take steps of faith to follow God and, and, and do what it is that he's called us to do. Now, again, I said earlier on, there are some people, uh, you know, who are just more wired for action. You'd rather be out doing, you know, a homeless outreach or a, you know, a, a, a 
you know, whatever, a, a street ministry thing or on a mission trip or whatever, you're more wired that way. And, and maybe the encouragement for you is, hey, you need to spend some more time devoted to the scriptures. You need to spend some more time understanding the, the truth and the foundation of, of the word of God. And others of you, you're wired, man, you are wired for standing firm. You're really good at standing firm. You've got all your doctrine buttoned up. You've got everything really nice and organized and tidy in your mind. But when was the last time you actually went and shared the gospel with somebody? When was the last time you actually volunteered to serve in the kids' ministry to teach these young ones about Jesus? When was the last time you just took a a, a plate of cookies to the neighbor across the street and said, hey, I just want to check on you. I haven't seen you in a while. Things going good with, with you? When was the last time you did something to be a light in a dark world? 1 Corinthians, Apostle Paul says that the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. And I don't know about you, but I want to be involved in the kingdom of God and what it is that he is doing. And so for us as Sound City, I want to see us grow in in, in this idea of like knowing God, holding firm, and then taking action and doing something. I'm excited to see what God is going to do in the years ahead. I'm excited to see him shape us into the kind of people that he wants us to be for his glory and for, for, for the good of, of, of our region. I, I don't know about you, like, do you, do you long to see people in the North Sound come to know Jesus? Do you long to see people who are currently living the suburban dream, driving their car to and from work, parking in a garage, watching Netflix, their 401k is growing, and that's all they have to their life? Do you long to see them awakened by the smelling salts of the gospel that there's more to life than your next vacation? Do you long to see people have their world just reoriented into this idea of coming to know God and loving God and living for God and experiencing his peace and his forgiveness and his joy? I do. I I desire that and I want to desire it more. Five years ago, we accidentally planted a church. And it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like if somebody wakes you up in the middle of the night and asked you a question, like, whoa, I, don't, I haven't really thought about it. I need to give an answer right here and right now. It kind of feels that way. When we, when we first launched, um, some of you know, some of you might not know, we were a part of a larger multi-campus church called Mars Hill Church. And 2014 was a lot of controversy, a lot of um, hurt, a lot of pain, and it ended to the dissolving of Mars Hill Church at the end of 2014. And we planted out with about seven weeks of advance notice. Uh, it's called a hurry-up offense is what that's called. And, uh, I mean, we're trying to figure out, like, I'm, I'm Googling, like, you know, how do you church? You know, I'm just trying to figure out. <sighs> we had, uh, Shane had not quite come on board yet with us uh, on the team, and then the other guy that I had, uh, Travis, you guys remember Travis Tuttle was one of our elders who helped us plant, but they had a baby due, he and his wife, uh, right during this whole time. And so I was like, go be with your family. And so I'm literally, I, 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 I wrote the first church budget, Alejandro. Does that sh- just strike terror in your heart? Man, man. And here we are. If you want to know why we believe in the sovereignty of God, man, it's just like this, like, hurry, plant a church. Ah, and then, over that first year, we, we started writing, like we wrote our mission statement that first year. We said, we're going to do this. Here's, what, here's why Sound City Bible Church exists. We exist to glorify God, most important thing, by proclaiming Jesus, receiving grace, by being and making disciples. 
That's why we exist. That's our mission. We exist to glorify God by proclaiming Jesus, receiving grace, being and making disciples. Now, at the time that we wrote that, that was aspirational. We hope to be this kind of church. And I would say, friends, looking back and talking with many of you and looking back, God has been gracious to us to keep us focused on that mission that he gave to us. That we are still, five years later, um, we haven't become a social club. We haven't become an activist, you know, club. We, we are a, a church community that's focused on glorifying God by proclaiming Jesus, by receiving grace. That's an important one. Never want to stop receiving grace, amen? And by being and making disciples. And I'm thankful that he has kept us on that mission. We wrote some values. We wrote nine values, actually. Um, uh, I should have a slide to put them up on the screen here. I'll just, I'll read through them all real quick. Sound doctrine, we said, is going to be a value for us. We said we want the value to, be, one of our values to be prayer and enjoying God. That not just like being good Christians, but really like enjoying God and relationship with him. We said we were going to put a priority on relationship and we're going to make sure that everyone knows that they're not expected to be perfect, but that we're all trying to make progress and grow together. We said we want to equip our members for the work of the ministry within the church and then send every member out as a missionary. We said that we want to be a kingdom-minded sort of a church, meaning that we don't exist just for ourselves, we exist for the kingdom of God, which means we're going to partner with other churches and get to know other pastors and other church leaders and other Christians in the area. And then we said we want to have this rhythm of being a church gathered and scattered. Boy, you want to talk about aspirational. I mean, at this point, when we wrote these, we'd been, you know, we'd been a new church for all of, you know, two months, three months. And I would say, by God's grace, we keep coming back to these over and over again. And we've had meetings with the elder teams at times have been like, are we, are we doing this? Or, you know, this is what led to prayer being our focus. Like, I think we need to turn up the knob on prayer last year. But by God's grace, these have been a part of us since the very beginning. And by God's grace, we'll continue to live according to these values so that we can be the most effective church that we can be for his glory, for his kingdom, not for us, for him. So that people who don't know God can come to know God and people who do know God can come to know him better. And I start reflecting back too on these last five years and just seeing some of the, the evidences of his grace do you know that we have baptized 64 people in the last five years? Isn't that amazing? 64 people. And we've prayed over and dedicated 87 children to the Lord. <laughs> Felt like 807 children, but... We practice uh, covenant membership as a church together, and, and right now, as of yesterday, I looked in the... On the records, we have 214 adult covenant members, which for a church our size with attendance on a Sunday or whatever is, um, that's a really high percentage. I don't know what the percentage is, but it's really, really high. Many churches don't, don't get to experience that. You guys are a faithful and committed bunch of people. It's amazing to watch. I've seen our church grow in community, church community, relationship within the family of God. You know, I had someone ask me um, a few months ago, about two months ago, somebody asked me, you know, why, why would people say that they stayed? Like, you know, they visited and then they stayed at Sound City Bible Church. And I said, probably two reasons. Number one would be, you know, solid biblical preaching. You hear that from people. Want, want a church that teaches from the Bible. And then the number two answer is almost always, man, community and relationships. One of the cool things that God has done in our church over these last few years, you may or may not be aware of it, but some of you are going to know exactly what I'm talking about, is watching people who have been disconnected, not necessarily from Jesus, but just disconnected from church, come in and, and find a place where they could 
work through church hurts, um, work through trust issues, past issues. Um, that's kind of a, a unique thing. It's not one of like our upfront values. We don't lead with, hey, have you been hurt by church? Come to us. Uh, uh, and, and we make absolutely no um, claim that we've got it like nailed or perfect or something like that. But I have just had so many conversations with people who said, I didn't go to church for five years. I never stopped believing in Jesus. I just couldn't go to church for five years. I couldn't go to church. I couldn't trust leaders. I couldn't whatever. And God has, has, has put a particular grace in our church community for those who have been disconnected to kind of re- connect with the community of faith. And, and you all are a part of that as well with being welcoming and being friendly and being gracious. It's an amazing thing to watch. I've watched us grow in local outreach. Um, even last year, shifting Pastor Kyle's role to be our missions and outreach pastor and um, just watching the way that people are um, starting to learn that the idea of evangelism doesn't mean that you have to fill a stadium and be the next you know, Billy Graham, but it means that you could go and um, do something kind for someone else in the name of Jesus Christ and help show what his love is like so that then we can share the gospel of the forgiveness and the grace uh, that's found at the cross of Jesus Christ. I've watched, um, we had reports of community groups going and singing carols at like a retirement community and and community groups going and serving meals at a homeless outreach and individuals uh, taking people into their home. Like I'm just watching this happening on a local level. It's pretty remarkable to watch. And I I want to find ways to do a better job of telling those stories. We've got, um, uh, some have been kind of trickling in, but, Myung at soundcitybiblechurch.com. I know you don't probably want to like brag on yourself, but it can just be really encouraging. Hey, I, we, we did this thing and, and don't brag on yourself, brag on Jesus, but maybe it would be helpful for other people in the church to hear that these kinds of things are happening and they're like, well, if they could do it, if that guy could do it, I could do it. I want to see us grow in that in this next year. And then watching the way that God has used us even internationally. Um, Pastor Kyle is the Mexico team meeting today. So we got a team, a group going to Mexico here in a few uh, a few months, and I think this is our fifth time sending a group of people, and man, getting to watch Jesus save people and get to support the work that's happening there. Um, getting to have a, a kind of a, a homegrown church partnership with Heed Uganda and getting to send a team of people over there, and still just, uh, we're still hearing good reports from the malaria outreach that we did a year and a half ago, um, that like that whole region has been impacted, and we're still seeing like downriver impacts, and your faithfulness and your generosity helped contribute to that, and, and uh, just got an email from, from Sam and Shushan, who are missionaries in um, Armenia, and they were talking about how now for two years in a row, we have helped pay for a pastor's conference, a leadership conference for pastors and church planters over there because they don't have the same kind of resources and stuff. Again, your generosity did that. Maybe you've never been to Armenia. Maybe you're never going to go to Armenia, but you participating here at Sound City Bible Church has helped impact a church planter and his wife in a country that's very far from us. Isn't that amazing, guys? It's such amazing grace that God has poured out on us in the last five years, and it makes me start to wonder... Where will you be? Where will we be? Where will I be in five years? When we got woken up in the middle of the night and said, hey, you want to plant a church accidentally? Like, oh, okay. I didn't know that we were going to send people to Mexico all the time. I didn't know that we were going to be, you know, going through the book of Daniel. Didn't know, I didn't know a lot of things. Pause for a moment. Where, where will you be in five years? Personally. The things I, I hope and, and pray by God's grace, I'll have two kids graduated from high school in five years. Oh, man. Whew. Hope to still be here loving and serving Jesus with you guys. 
I don't know what the future holds. I, I, don't, I don't have a, a crystal ball. We don't get those types of, um, often those type of clarity from God. But I, I know a few things. I want to keep us focused on knowing God, enjoying God, loving God, worshiping Jesus, standing firm on the truth of his word, not caving just because something is unpopular in our culture, but also calling you to take action toward what God has for you. Where will we be in five years? I don't know. I want to say a lot more than 64 people baptized. How's that? I want to see 264 people baptized. God, would you let us see lost people come to know you in greater number this year, Lord God? Here's a few things that I think we do know. And I'll I'll head towards wrapping up with this. Just looking ahead toward 2020, a few things for sure that are coming ahead for us, things that I'm excited about, things that I help. Again, The point is for people to know God. So even as I share these next few things, don't disconnect them from the big idea. The point is for people to come to know God. So a couple of things that we have coming down the pipeline. Number one, um, some more specific men's and women's discipleship opportunities. You know, we've, we've got community groups, we've got you know, small group ministries going, and, and one of the things we have heard consistently over the last f- uh, five years is, hey, it'd be really great for men to do things, it'd be really great for women to do things. Well, I'm officially announcing it now, or you've probably heard about it before, that we are doing some of those things. So Myung and a group of men have been already doing some early morning men's group meetings. They're now announcing it out wider. We'll talk about it more next week. The stuff is already up on the website. If you want to get involved in a men's group, uh, maybe um, early morning before... Uh, work, or, or maybe there's some other guys that are looking to start some things. Let's start some things. Uh, the women's discipleship opportunities we have coming up, particularly excited about. Um, in February, we're going to have what we're calling a women's discipleship gathering. We're going to be at Martha Lake Baptist Church. Thank you for letting us use your building. Uh, we are going to gather together the women. They're going to lead worship. There's going to be times of teaching from, where's Danielle here? Danielle Martin. And then I, I do have a favorite church member. Her name is Erin Lynn Gray, my wife, is going to be doing some teaching. There's going to be small group breakout discussion times and then some opportunities for ongoing women's discipleship gatherings out of that. They're going to be studying a book called Women of the Word by Jen Wilkin. I'm excited about that. I'm really excited for the men and the women to gather together to train each other, to teach each other like iron sharpens iron. That's exciting. People are going to come to know Jesus because of that. People are going to be discipled and trained up and, and better equipped to share the gospel with their coworkers and their family and their neighbors because of that. So you can find out more information from Young or at the Connect Desk or on the website, but that's something I'm excited about. Number two, something that we believe is uh, ahead of us this next year is raising up some more leaders, in particularly raising up some more elders. Um, can I just brag on our our elder team for a minute, our, our guys are amazing, godly, competent, faithful men, and they deserve double honor. And in particular, uh, Pastor Jamin and Pastor Doug, who serve as volunteer elders, not on staff with the church, um, are worthy of double honor because they do so um, not under the employment of the church, but just out of the overflow of their hearts and giving of just all of their spare time. Am I right? You know, so much spare time, didn't know what else to do with yourself. Right, Pastor Doug? Um, we have been sensing for a while that to be a more effective church, to be a more um, 
uh, a church that shepherds the people well and leads us onward into mission better, that we're going to need some more elders. And by God's grace, over this last season, some men uh, have been raising their hands and saying, hey, like, I think, I think God might be stirring my heart towards that. And so something in 2020 that we uh, intend to intentionally work on is raising up some more, uh, particularly volunteer elders. But that's not the only type of leaders. We need lots of different leaders in this church. People who are going to help launch groups. People who are going to help lead in our kids' ministry. People who are going to help lead outreach and mission. So if you have a heart, if you're one of those like take action type of people, man, there's a place for you. We want to train you. We want to empower you. We want to raise you up and want to send you out to lead uh, in, in whatever way that God has gifted and called you. Very uh, specifically, there is a, uh, a, a new staff hire that we announced, gosh, all the way back in what? March of 2019, that we were looking for someone to come on board um, to be like what, what a lot of churches would call an executive pastor. Um, I prefer the term administrative pastor because executive's a little bit businessy for my taste, and well, the word administration is actually in the Bible, so we just go with that. Um, and so we set out to kind of look for somebody who had ministry experience, and 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 we um, reached out to Sojourn Network, and over the last oh five, well, yeah, about almost six months now, have been in conversation with somebody who we believe that God has uh, provided for us and supplied at just the right time for us. And so, uh, kind of officially announcing that we're going to be hiring on. He'll come on as an administrative director, but uh, by God's grace, over the course of the year, will become one of the pastors as well. A guy named John Fox, and he is. From Texas, Lord keeps providing more Texans, yeah, oh man, um, and I actually asked him and his wife to shoot a little video so that they could uh, just introduce themselves, and so I'll have the guys in the booth roll a quick little video from John and his wife, Andrea, they just had a baby, she just had the baby, he was there, but they had a baby uh, eight, six days ago, six days ago, so watch this video, go ahead and roll it, guys. Hi, I'm John. I'm Andrea. We're the Foxes, and we wanted to send a quick video to introduce ourselves before moving up to Seattle. Andrea and I are both from Houston, Texas. We met at the same church in high school. Junior high. I was in junior high. And, uh, and then some years later ended up moving around, coming back together, and uh, getting married. We've been married for about 10 years, and we have four boys, all boys. <laughs> the oldest is Caden, then Judson then Ezra, and then Titus. Titus is the newest addition to our family at four days old. Yeah. So we're very grateful to have him and also grateful that he's sleeping right now. A little tired. <laughs> yep. Uh, I've been serving in ministry about 15 years in different capacities, all the way from the uh, student ministry intern until most recently being the interim lead pastor at our own church and uh, then transitioned here recently also as a lay elder in the church as we hired a new lead pastor. And that's been a, a great transition for us. It's been restful. It's been rewarding, um, while at the same time looking for what else God would have for us. And so uh, we're excited to go up there and join you all in gospel ministry. We've been praying for not only our own move, but also for uh, you as a church and then what God would do in the area for his name. So we're excited to be there and look forward to seeing you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Junior high. <laughs> 
Um, really thankful uh, for the help of the Sojourn Network uh, over this last year for us, um, finding good qualified candidates for that position. I've been really, really grateful for that. And then the last one, the last piece that's ahead of us for, for, for 2020 is this whole big idea of this potential church merger. And actually, uh, by God's grace, Jason, lead pastor of Martha Lake Baptist, is here. You want to come down and join me for a minute, bro? I'd, yeah. And actually... I know that one, one of your other elders, Mark, is here too, but I don't see where he, is he he's hiding there. Maybe you want to just introduce yourself real quickly. So our, this is the special treatment you get at the 9 a.m. service that the 11 a.m. people don't get. So, because you're going to go back over and, and preach it. That's right. Yeah. I took good notes, so I'll have something to say. <laughs> yeah. No, it, well, uh, so my name's Jason Smith. I've been the pastor at Martha Lake Baptist uh, eight and a half years. Um, our church, we have a lot in common with Sound City. Uh, a few things different, but the important thing is we love Jesus. Mm-hmm. We have this, uh, the same heart that Sound City does. Uh, we have, uh, we're going on 55 years That's awesome. of history, <laughs> and that means a lot to us uh, that God has planted that church yeah. 55 years ago and kept a gospel witness to reach the community. And so our heart is we want to follow Christ wherever he leads, so that we can continue to have a gospel witness in this community, proclaiming Christ, yeah. making disciples, Amen. encouraging the body. And so we're actively seeking to follow wherever he leads. And so that's why we're open to exploring this potential merger. Yeah. And to say, is this what God wants for us? Yeah. Because we know God has a plan, yeah. and we know we can follow him without fear and with boldness. And so we're excited to continue this exploration yeah. prayerfully. I've been super encouraged through the conversations. Jason's been continually coming back to this heartbeat of like, the only reason we would ever want to merge is so that we could reach people for Jesus in this area. And that's been so encouraging and so important to hear and to be reminded of. And I I just share that with you too, because obviously, you know, like this conversation started because of the idea of getting a a building for us to have a long-term home. But that for us can't be, that's not the promised land, right? The goal is for people to know God. That's right. And uh, I, when Shane preached a couple weeks ago, I got to come and visit and, and attend mm-hmm. a worship service. People of Martha Lake Baptist, super friendly, super welcoming. They're singing loud. Bible's open. Jason's preaching. It was, amazing. it was just awesome. It was a really encouraging time. I don't think I got to even tell you that personally, but just what an awesome experience it was for me to get to be there. And the encouragement for you is go visit. Yeah. Go over there. So we've had people there last probably three Sundays or yeah. so, the 11 o'clock gathering. And so I right. want to encourage folks to go ahead and do that. And I'd love to have you. Yeah, and here's the thing. Maybe, maybe I'll let you do this. Maybe since you're here and I just have you close us out in prayer and then yeah. Pastor Shane's going to come lead us in communion. And, and uh, friends, these are the things we think we know are coming in 2020. I don't know what else is coming ahead. I certainly don't have a five-year crystal ball, but I know this. God loves us a lot. Mm. And we can follow him with boldness. We can stand firm and we can take action and keep focused on knowing God. Jason, would you you close us in prayer, brother? Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, what what a joy it is to look back at the way you've been working here through Sound City. And a joy to share ministry in this community with them. Lord, we don't know what this year has in store and the years beyond that. But we do know you've called us to be your people. You've redeemed us through Christ, and you've set us on mission. And so we can go boldly. We can follow Christ boldly in this year. So help us do exactly as we've been charged to do today. 
Help us to devote ourselves to knowing you above all. And then standing firm against whatever attacks and challenges and barriers may come, but then pressing on into action. Because you've called us not to be a stagnant people, but an active people, following Christ, proclaiming him as a Savior, and leading others to know and grow in him. Well, that's what we want to be about. And whatever that looks like, merger, no merger, Lord, whatever that looks like, we want to follow you. Because you are our God. And so, as we finish our worship time together, we just devote ourselves this whole year and beyond. Our whole lives and our eternity is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.